Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to a very special episode of Beyond the Pitch. And I must say, I am absolutely delighted to be joined with the fantastic Ollie Kay. Ollie's been on this podcast squad. God must be going on close to 10 years on and off. So it's always a privilege to have this man back. And uh, one of the best journalists out there. Uh, of course, Ollie previously at the Times. You can follow Ollie Kay. Ollie, what's your Twitter ID again? It's uh, Oliver Kay. Oliver okay. Kay. Simple o- as that. O-K-A-Y, right? No, 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 no. It's o- just... Oliver K, O-L-I-V-E-R-K-A-Y. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a full hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and give us man a follow content. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I know a lot of my focus on this podcast is United, but this uh, interview, we're going to focus on some other things uh, as well as United. Um, Ali, first of all, uh, I'm going to start with what's going on at Newcastle. because has been a big change in the last week. This has been on the cards for a long time. There's obviously good arguments against this. I understand the Newcastle fans, long-suffering, desperately want their football club to be successful, desperately excited at the thought of the world's top players coming to Newcastle. I can understand that euphoria. Um, But for people in in the media, before we get to all the nastiness, I want to ask you about the Premier League because one of the key attributes of the Premier League is being competitive balance and making sure that anything can beat anyone on a given day. What does it do for the league if you've got teams like Newcastle, Manchester City, Chelsea, owned by people where sport and merit isn't really important? They can buy whoever they want, whenever they want, to make sure that they're always at the top. Um, is this healthy for the Premier League? Um, in a way, I think it is. In a way, I think it's... If you look at Manchester City's emergence... Post 2008, uh, I think, yes, that has been healthy if you take it in, you know, just, just on in the, in the most simplistic way. Mm-hmm. It's got to be, I mean, we, we had a situation by the late 2000s where we had a big, big four, which was Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, who were finishing the top four every year. There was a, usually a, a massive gap and there was... Um, and, and there was it was impossible to see anybody outside of that for winning the league, really. I mean, Spurs eventually managed to get into the top four, but it, it felt like um, at that time um, it was there was a top four and 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 sixteen others. Um, I think the last, if you're purely talking about, is it good for the Premier League to have the um, the the increase in quality that Manchester City have brought, then yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great story that Manchester City have, um, you know, have become successful again. Um, and I was there when they won their first league title in, what was it, 44 years in, in 2012. And it was just an amazing, amazing experience, a brilliant story. Um, would it have been better if those four teams had been just completely unassailable for the last, Few years now, I don't think it would be. I think Manchester City have raised the bar. Guardiola has been brilliant. They've bought well. Um, they play beautiful football, um, but there's you know there, there are downsides to it, and and it shouldn't be about um, protecting the four or five or six teams who are successful, of which Manchester City have now very much established. It should be about there being the money in football being shared equally enough so that you don't just get this hierarchy, which we've had in the Premier League the last 
decade and sure. the decade before that, and which, to be honest, is a, is a, you see all over Europe. You see all these one club leagues and two club leagues because they're completely dominated by whoever gets in the Champions League every season or in right. the Europa League, and the money just you know doesn't doesn't filter down, and it just uh, it it, um, it turns the dominant players in in any market into in or the or the successful teams in any market into the into completely dominant part uh, teams so anything that's shaken that up in the premier league is welcome i think except that there are all sorts of other added layers to it with with manchester city and and with newcastle and you could even say with chelsea well but let me ask you this ali what are we uh 10 years into the city ownership. 13. 13, yeah. yeah, 2008, yeah. Um, They won the league last year. First game of the season, they're trying to give tickets away to get people into their stadium. (laughs) Now, we've been told from the dawn of time, City's a massive football club that has a massive support. So why isn't their wonderful football captivating public? Why isn't it even with Manchester City fans captivating them, because in some sense, I don't know, maybe maybe it's my bias as a Manchester United fan, but there's almost a sense of, yeah, I know this is great, but there's an element of financial doping to it where this isn't really commensurate with success, where you continue to improve and generate more revenue, almost, but you know, Leicester, I know Leicester had a, had, a, had wealthy owners too, but not the same extent. There just feels something not quite the same about it. And it hasn't really captivated the Manchester City public. And we still see pretty poor attendances at Manchester City to the point where Pep Guardiola is complaining about it. So as great as it's been, and certainly it's been great for anyone to watch, and you know, if you're not a United fan, but for a football mm-hmm. fan, you can't help but appreciate the quality. But is it really that much where it's... Because... I mean, City are still not a global brand. City are still, you know, they're they're getting there. But has what well, we've seen in the last ten years got, really improved that much? They've they and PSG have got bigger commercial income than Manchester than yeah, Manchester United Real Madrid. What what are you on about? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we heard about uh, the Premier League rule today, suspension <laughs> for a month. We'll get into that about uh, making sure Newcastle's commercial contracts are commensurate with reality. But 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 seriously, if we look at it. You look at, I understand Liverpool United, but these are legacy football clubs. But is it really, I mean, City won the league. Who was really bothered by it? Well, last season, to be honest, I, I felt less, I felt completely disengaged from the whole thing yeah. last season. I don't, I don't think I've ever watched more games on TV than I did last mm-hmm. season because they were because they were all on and I couldn't get into the stadiums most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never felt more disengaged from 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 the spectacle yeah. because it was just it was awful with with no no fans in the ground it's so much better this season with them um, i mean the the highs feel higher the lows feel lower that's exactly how it should be yeah. over 90 minutes and over the course of the season um so look man city if you compare last season winning it sort of behind closed doors or, or with a few people in the stadium on the last day um and what was it? The third in four years, and the the, the, mm-hmm. the fifth in the fifth in a decade. There does become a sort of you know it becomes routine. But I was there in twenty twelve, as I said, 
and and again two years later when they won it and, and when they won that first FA Cup, the, the, the first trophy in um, however many years that was, thirty five years, and the atmosphere on those games was incredible. You yeah. know that when Aguero put that goal in against um, QPR, mm-hmm. I don't think that that can be topped from Manchester City point of view. I mean, beating United with the last kick of the game on goal difference, you know, well, not beating United, but beating United to the title. Yeah. That was unsurpassable. Every, I mean, apart from the one where Liverpool pushed them so hard in 2018-19, the other league titles they've won have been, you know, it's a bit of a stroll. Um, so it, it does, it, yeah, it, it, it I mean, it was. It often was like that with Liverpool in the eighties. It was often like that with Man United in the in the nineties and two thousands, where they were winning at at stroll. I do get what you mean, though, and I and and I do think. I think if you told any Manchester City fan back in the nineties when they were still getting sort of thirty odd thousand um, mm-hmm. attendances in in the third tier, if you told them that that they would one day be incredibly successful and and one of the dominant teams in world football and that they they would fill they would fill the ground for league games which they do 54,000 generally i mean they do have to work very hard to get to, to fill those seats but but they generally it's generally full for league games but that they would have european cup finals and or european cup semi-finals or quarterfinals and it not be Full. I think they would have been surprised by that. And I think I think people at City will admit it's been really hard to I- expand the the match going sort of you know the, the demand for tickets. I know you know anecdotally and from what I see that and I'm just you know friends of friends and so, and so there are a lot more young Manchester City fans growing up. These days than than they were back in the um, you know but back in, in my generation and and you know certainly growing up through the nineties I, I doubt many Man City um, you know I, I I don't think many of the schools of Manchester apart from in certain areas were would be majority blue or or anywhere near fifty fifty I think most of the kids um, were growing up supporting United. I think that that so is it's not their really city changing. after all, then. Hmm? <laughs> so not everyone from Manchester supports city after all, then. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I, 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 I speak to, I speak to people at City, and they say, "Look, you know, we we always used to play that card, and you know, we knew sometimes that it, you know, we were just it, it, it was a complete myth because we'd go to schools and there'd be, you know, one one lad in a city shirt in certain parts of Manchester. It's not like that now. That there there are, there are loads and loads of city, you know." Kids who support City and and are, and are very enthused by City, but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to have expanded into. I mean, look if you look at Liverpool United and and yeah, I'd say Liverpool United are, are exceptional in this case. They have not just this enormous local support base, fan base, not just this massive national fan base where people come from all over the southeast and southwest and through all throughout the country, but they've got enormous demand and you know, enormous sort of membership and pe- people signed up to, to buy tickets you know from Ireland from Scotland from yeah. Norway and Denmark America all, all over Asia all over you know South Africa the Middle East the numbers of 
fans that come from all over the place to watch those clubs is enormous. And so it's a real shock when there's an empty seat at Anfield or Old Trafford um, these days. I mean, it's it does happen, though. Um, I mean, when United, you know, United Europa League games haven't, <laughs> you know, when they've been in the Europa League, they, they've not all sold out. And, but it's I I sympathise with 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 the Man City fans over the argument about about their attendances because the the hardcore support still goes. They sell out fifty four thousand. They generally get, you know, there are often empty seats at their at their sort of midweek cup games and FA Cup games and so on and you know, Europe Champions League group games. But is, it, is that such a bad thing? I mean, if, if we would, it seems like damned if you are, you know, damned if you do have glory hunting supporters and damned if you don't. It's um, so. I think I've really massively strayed off the subject. No, I mean, my issue isn't with the people that go. I mean, I respect mm. that. And my issue is why is it not reaching more people? But I mean, we get to beat that all day long. And obviously with young people today identifying with footballers through video games and having City having a much larger collection of world-class players, kids are you know, going to be much more inclined to wear a City shirt than what they were. Because, you know, when we were growing up, we, we identified <laughs> the teams in a whole different way. You know, we didn't have these video games. It was totally different. And so... Uh, I, I get that, which brings me to Newcastle, right? Now, Newcastle, massive football club, long-suffering football club. I don't think there's anybody you know, who's, you know doesn't support Newcastle wouldn't look at that club and say they deserve success. Um, there's a couple of things. We just talked about PSG and City. Neither of them have won a European Cup, despite the fact they've had billions pumped in. So success at the very highest level is not a guarantee, but certainly money certainly helps, Right. Um, I suspect, I expect that they'll, they'll sack Steve Bruce at some point and bring some people in. What do you expect to happen in the short term there at Newcastle? Oh, well, well Steve Group, Steve Bruce will will go. I'm, I'm sure of that. Um, I think a lot of us were quite surprised he lasted until, you know, he, that, that he, had, he was still in charge on Sunday against mm-hmm. Tottenham. And I'm, personally, I, I, was, I was glad he was still in charge. I thought yeah. he gave him a... Um, I gave him a chance of you know maybe a, a sort of happy ending there, but you know it didn't happen. Uh, they lost again. I think that will just underline everything that the owners, the new owners, already thought. I, you know, I, I, as far as I understand, it, it, it's been very much their intention from the start to um, to find a new manager, and I think that's I think that's sensible you know it needs a a break it needs a um you know the ambitions are new the the whole feeling around the club is new the standard has to be a lot higher and although you could really make a case for a bit of continuity i i just think you saw it on 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 uh on sunday against tottenham i mean they're disorganized team they're sort of pulling in different directions there's the negativity towards Bruce from the fans I think it just probably needs a clean break um but you have to wonder how which direction they're going um it's it's hard to appoint a manager a top manager which is clearly what they want um mid-season but particularly mid-season when you're 
nineteenth um, in the Premier League, and it's it's just really. I think I think people can see that there's going to be an enormous amount of money thrown at this project, and they are going to go for big hitters, whether it's big hitting players, big hitting managers. But I don't see that. I mean, look, they've been linked with Antonio Conte. I'll be staggered if that happens. I really will. Um, they were linked with Mourinho before he took the Roma job. They've been linked with Pochettino in the past. This is in the sort of three, four years when we've been expecting this takeover to go through eventually. Um, but I, I just think that they're going to have to build towards that. In, in, in the same way that, someone you know, again, Eddie Howe is more like, well, likely in the mean, in the short term until you get to that level. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But it, um, it's, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's hard to see, you know, that they need to build for the long term, but they also need an, an enormous immediate improvement to avoid, to avoid getting relegated. I don't discount them getting relegated at all. I think they're one of the, six worst teams in the Premier League on paper. I think they're certainly one of the three worst teams on, you know, on the pitch um, at the moment or, or three or four worst pitch uh, teams on the pitch. Yeah. Maybe a change of manager will um, will transform them. But I don't think... Look, people have likened it to what happened with Chelsea and what happened with Man City. Chelsea were already in the Champions League. They just finished third or fourth the previous season mm-hmm. and qualified for the Champions League. They had John Terry, they had Frank Lampard, they had, you know, Hasselbank and all, all these all these very good players. Um, it was totally different to, to, to what Newcastle have gone through. And in those days, you could just, I mean, Chelsea was spending far more money than anybody else in Europe. Whereas, um, you know, Man City, when they, when they were taken over in 2008, they were a, a really going nowhere mid-table club, but they still had um, a few players like Joe Hart, Michael Richards. Um, they'd just signed Vincent Company. They'd just signed Pablo Zabaleta before the money came through. So there, there was a core there of, of, of good players that they could build on. I don't see any of that with Newcastle. I don't think there's maybe more than one or two players that you would imagine or hope to, or hope yeah. to be um, there in... in um, three or four years' time if this goes the way they expect it to. But I, I think I think it's 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 enormous to expect them to be what Manchester City are now. I think they they're building from so far back and at a time when there are financial regulations now. And I think the the gap from the bottom to the top of the Premier League is enormous. It I I, I just think they are way off. It, it, it will probably. I mean, I, I, I feel that where, you know, yes, yes, they will spend a lot of money, but I, I think it will be a long time before they are a um, the kind of force that Manchester City became within three or four years, and the kind of force that Chelsea became within one or two years. It might never happen with Newcastle, but it's going to take a long time if it does. There's the other <clears throat> unavoidable aspect of this, Ollie. Have we just waved the flag, white flag on the fit and proper test and just decided, you know what? Um, there's really, we, we've given up trying, just like F, FFP, of ever trying to really implement that. Um, I know, you have to be careful with what's being said here, but um, they say there's separation between uh, the people that own the football club and, and 
um, Mohammed bin Salman. Um, there's obvious issues with the Saudi state, with human rights. Um, we had a journalist just not too long ago. Um, I'll not elaborate on that, but we all know what happened. What about the ethics of this, Ali? I think the ethics sort of went out the window long ago. I mean, I've, yeah. I know Premier League clubs have been absolutely up in arms about this. And I think, well, if they weren't, I mean, I've never known Premier League clubs, well, I haven't generally known Premier League clubs, not many of those clubs, turn their nose up at money from questionable sources, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, in questionable companies or whether it's uh, unethical companies or it's gambling or it's, you know, this sort of growing Bitcoin trend that a lot of people think is very um, unhealthy or on a much more extreme damaging level, the, the, the sort of human rights abuses that we're talking about with various countries. And it's, it's, this has been something that the Premier League, which basically is the Premier League clubs, have generally been turned a blind eye to. Um, maybe there'll be one or two, three clubs that, that will say, no, we, we've always been outspoken about this. But I think if this was, if they weren't talking in terms of spending such enormous sums, I think there'll be an awful lot of people around that Premier League table who wouldn't care at all, who wouldn't care yeah, at all I, I about the idea of human rights abuses and and, and, and so on. I think I think they will be uncomfortable with the, the the attention that it's getting because it's it's negative for the brand. But I I look at Manchester United having you know actively pursued deals in Saudi Arabia and with no, the Saudi no Arabian yep. state for, for a long time. They, they, yep. they have a memorandum of, memorandum of understanding with the, um, the sort of Ministry for Sport in, in Saudi Arabia. That's part of the Saudi Arabian government. Sheffield United um, too, right? Yeah, well, Sheffield United were owned by a Saudi prince and, and, and a fairly, you know, a fairly peripheral prince, but yeah, part, part of the mm. same royal family. And, and people didn't care about that because... Sheffield United were were never going to threaten the um, right. threaten the establishment. I, you know, I, I, maybe Newcastle won't either, but people are definitely up in arms in this, and I think they're right to be. But I I do also feel that it's a bit late, really, in, in mm-hmm. many of these cases, because um, you know there were always that there's always been those suggestions about Manchester City that it's about sports washing that it's about not just about washing the image of, of, of Abu Dhabi, but about, you know, using football as a, as a mechanism in which to sort of establish yourself as a, you know, in, in, in business in, in the UK, the way Saudi Arabia have done in many businesses, the way Abu Dhabi have done in with many businesses. Qatar have done with many businesses. You know, you can hardly move around London without being told, "Oh, that's Qatar own that now. Mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia own that. China own that now." It's you know, but basically, Britain is for sale. Anything in Britain is for sale. I, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago saying um, about this and just saying how utterly depressing it is because mm-hmm. you can. I mean, it just feels yes, everything's for sale, but you would hope as a football fan that there would be some wish to protect football clubs from 
<laughs> falling into the wrong hands or questionable hands or dubious hands or bloodstained hands. And it's not. Football is right at the vanguard of this. And football is used and abused, whether it's by people like the Glazers that we've talked about mm -hmm. um, many times, and I'm sure we will again, um, or whether it's people sports washing or using a club for some kind of geopolitical reasons, or even, you know, Mike Ashley using it as a sort of cheap billboard for his um, for his um, sports retail company. So it, it's, it's... Yeah, I get what you're saying. I know it's a bit it's, of a closing door for horses bolt and I get it. Um, it but we I mean, should go back you know, to facts and Shinawatra even. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it really is belayed. But I want to evolve that question just slightly. Um, I know we don't want to keep you too long, but when you look at the ownership structure of Arsenal, United, Liverpool, what have you, which is almost the opposite, how does that ownership structure survive and continue to fund these football clubs on a level that allows them to compete at the very top? What, what Arsenal and Liverpool? And Arsenal, United, Liverpool. You know, how do they continue to keep investing? Because you take a look at what Klopp's had to deal with. I know Arteta's got money this year, but Arsenal have been parsimonious in the past. We know about the problems with United and, and, and budgets and everything else. How do they continue to make sure those football clubs are adequately funded that allows them to compete with City, Chelsea, New York, Newcastle? Well, Manchester United in the last financial year that was recorded, I think, made 580 million euros in revenue, um, which is more than any other Premier League team. We could all we could all question whether Manchester City that the, their commercial revenue is legitimate in terms of the rules. You know, when they when they come in, not far short of that. But Manchester United have the money. You know, Manchester United spend enormous sums of money generally spend it badly. There's no reason why Manchester United can't compete with um, <laughs> Manchester City or with Paris Saint-Germain or with, with, well, look, Newcastle, whoever. United, United can, can compete. They absolutely can. Liverpool run a tighter ship, but, you know, I don't think too many people would shed tears for, for, for Liverpool or for for. Chelsea or, or, or wherever, these clubs have got enormous sums of money. Arsenal haven't suddenly because they've been crap for yeah. <laughs> five years and they're no longer a Champions League club and they're no longer filling the ground every week and they're no longer getting the commercial growth that other, other clubs have. But there should be some kind of downside to underperformance on the pitch. We see clubs basically protected with these safety nets and you know united the cost of united underperforming over the last eight years has been minimal in terms of finance because they they've got you know the safety nets that they've had they they don't you know they can survive without a season or two of champions league football they can survive anything really i, I don't think i i do feel there's a massive massive issue with um, the sort of state-funded football clubs, I think mm. it is a massive issue. I don't like it at all. But I also don't like the the way the establishment clubs, whether it's Barcelona, Real Madrid in, in Spain, whether it's Bayern Munich, whether it's you know the, the traditional big four or big five, big six, whatever it might be now in England, they're just so protected. Juventus in Italy, ring-fenced almost, 
it's impossible it's become impossible for them to fail despite the effort that or the you know Barcelona seem to be doing a damn good job of it Real Madrid seem to be doing <laughs> a damn good job of it Juventus in their worst period for years but they're not going to fall far are they they're going to be they'll still be in the Champions League um so I do welcome the competition that these guys somehow face despite I, 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 despite agree. having made it almost impossible for anybody to compete with them I just wish it wasn't the case that the only way to compete with them was by having the the wealth of a um, very rich nation behind you. I think it's I think it's just so um, messed up the fact that a the sort of establishment clubs, legacy clubs, are so rich and so unassailable, and then you've got these clubs with the wealth of Qatar, the wealth of Abu Dhabi, the wealth of Saudi Arabia, the wealth of Roman Abramovich behind them. Um, and then basically everybody else is just left sort of getting the scraps from the table. I think it's, I think it's awful. One I, thing I think will happen <laughs> is I think that um, the international Premier League television rates um, will be sold differently. Because if, if you look at the top yeah, yeah. clubs, they want streaming rates. They want a la carte, right? Because they're saying, hey, Manchester United and Liverpool will bring in you know, 500 million people that are willing to pay a, a dollar, a pound or whatever, you know, and whereas, you know, and that's where they're going to create the disparity between the big teams and the other teams where they're going to get more money and try to close that gap somehow. I think that's probably what will end up happening um, because obviously the likes of Liverpool, United, big clubs, you're going to bring in a lot more into from streaming rights than like Citywood or anywhere else. So I think that's where I think we could, we'll see some involvement on this issue. You want to bring us back to the last topic, Ali, because I know it's late which of course is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who is under significant pressure. Now, as you know, I'm a big United fan. My own view on this is somewhat evolved. Uh, even when United were playing badly in the season where they sent Bruno Fernandes prior to that, they were appalling. I felt there was mitigating reasons for that. Um, but here we're at a point, in my opinion, where Solskjaer's had the windows we talked about that he needed, where this is his squad, who's still there is his is there as a result of his decision, who he brought in are his players. He takes responsibility. And what I see on the field is that United lack what you would see with a top quality coach that knows what he's doing, an identity and a cohesion amongst them where they play as a team. United lack that. And they've almost gone backwards this season. Um, what's, your, what's your views on Solskjaer and United at the moment? Uh, I think the same as they've been from the start, really, that, that he did a good job when he first came in as caretaker manager and that, that they um, that they rushed into giving him the job full-time and convinced themselves that this is our guy for the long term. I don't think he's ever convinced me or convinced a lot of people that he was the guy for the long term. I could get the the idea that he might be the man to sort of build a bridge from the sort of mess from that he inherited the dysfunction you know the um divide divisions div, divided squad the sort of bad just a sort of toxic feeling that there was around that stage i think he cleaned that up nicely um but i think if you look at that i mean that that was nearly three years ago that he arrived um, I think you could say, well, if it's not, you know, if, if it's more than just a six-month job, if we're going to look at 
you know, given the job beyond that, the end of that season, then it was probably an 18-month job that would have taken him to the end of the 1920 season. And I think for much of that 1920 season, I thought, well, he's not even going to last that long because it, it was it just wasn't working. And then they signed Bruno Fernandes and then um, they clicked in the second half of the season and ended up, uh, was it third? Yeah, a very distant third, but, mm. but third. And they were improving. And I think because they ended the season strongly, the board convinced themselves more than ever, oh, we're going in the right direction. Last season, they finished second. I'd say it was a a pretty unimpressive second. Um, was it 74 points? You know, they were never in a they were never in the title race, apart from maybe a couple of weeks in January. Yeah. They never looked like a yeah, they never looked like a top team. I just as I said earlier, I think last season was just a you know, just a, an awful experience all around. I, I, don't, I think United finished second by being the second best of a mediocre bunch, really. Uh, although, um, but it, it's, um, I, I thought, I thought the way last season was going, he's going to get another year here because, yeah, because the board are so convinced that this is working and they were, you know, they, they did all right last season. There, there was some sense of evolution in the team. There was some sense of things working and clicking. The defense was better. The, the, there were games where they, they were very, they looked very spirited. They often didn't look like a good team, but they looked very spirited. Won loads of games from um, coming from behind, but I felt, towards the end of the season, you know, they, they tailed off again, were miserable in that Europa League final. I thought, I thought, well, if they're really going to um, be ruthless about this, be sensible about this, they should really, you know, they should I, have a plan for what, they, what they're going to do next. They should, and, and, and clearly they didn't. And clearly the plan has still been, no, it, it's going to be fine. So, Sasha's take us in the right, in the right direction. And I just don't see it really. I've, I've, I I see, I, I get what he's done. I do get what he's done, and and, and it was it was basically a clean up operation. Mm-hmm. Um, he stabilised it. The, the club is more calm, more sensible. Yes. Um, is it more youth focused? Maybe, but not not like you know. It's, you wouldn't say he's there's suddenly a, a you know beyond Mason Greenwood. You wouldn't say there's a sort of great clutch of core of young players that, that Solskjaer has brought through. Um, do they play great Manchester United t- type football? No, I don't think so. Has he, you know, d- do they all look like they want to be there? Is it now a team that's fighting for every ball, fighting, you know, selflessly and, and with no ego at all, like like some of the narrative about, around Solskjaer suggests? No, absolutely not for me. I see... Pogba's still there and is and is looking like he strolls through games and he's not he, he's he's starts nearly every week. Um, you know the assist figures are great, but you know if you get an assist from him every game, but United don't control the midfield, then I, I don't think that's I don't think that he's doing his job. If you get a goal from Ronaldo, but you get nothing 
nothing from him in general play. I don't think he's doing, um, I don't think it's working. It looks a lot of the time like United are playing with, you know, when they haven't got the ball, it looks like they're playing with nine men. Um, I would say in his defence, a couple of things. First mm -hmm. of all, United, part of what Solskjaer is being negatively judged against is United's past. We said you sit here and talk about young players, right, Mason Greenwood, but yet there's a collective agreement that um, Pep Guardiola needs a £150 million striker um, to complete the set. There's no why isn't he living in the academy? What young players is he promoting? Who's he putting in the team? There's no pressure on him to do that, you know, and we're talking about there's no, he gets criticized for winning, but not winning a certain way, not winning an exciting way. Not it's okay to win actually, but you gotta win better than that. And I accept a lot of the points where look for me, I think there's another part of this that the United board's metric of success isn't the same as mine or yours. No. They looked at this club and what was going on under Mourinho is it was completely toxic top to bottom. The players were upset. From dressing room down, Woodward's relationship with Mourinho was terrible. And it was pretty obvious he had to be sacked, right? And there, were, there was protest. Now they see a football club, the ground is full, fans are relatively happy. It's not bad enough where they're going to protest. They can sell that football club to sponsors. That's an image they can sell. We're doing good. Do we risk second souls good then going back to where we were under Mourinho? That's because these people don't know what a top manager looks like. They have no, they have no vision to appoint a Nagelsmann based on an evaluation of attributes. So they go with, he's a bit good, he will do. And the thing is, when you look at someone like Conte, Conte's similar to Mourinho, you have to overhaul that United squad. That tells me they don't know what they're doing. There's no consistent DNA or, or identity where they say we get managers of similar values, similar you know, ways to play. So we don't have to have revolution every year when we bring in a new manager. I have my concerns about Solskjaer and I think that it's for, because his legacy as a player is not under threat here as, as, no, no, no. as a manager. And when we saw this with Liverpool with Doug Leash, where it's a very uncomfortable place to be in where you don't want to sack a legend because they don't want to sack him. There's a big fear. It doesn't have to be exactly the same as it was when Mourinho first Solskjaer got sacked. Um, but... I would fear for him if they lost Atalanta because Cristiano Ronaldo is not going to want to play Europa League. And I think this is the problem when you bring in someone like Ronaldo. It's great when things are going well, but when it's not, those players all acted like fans when Ronaldo came. <laughs> Ronaldo will have much more influence in that dressing room than Solskjaer will. And when you come down to testing Ferguson's loyalty to Solskjaer and Ferguson's loyalty to Ronaldo, that's a fight Solskjaer could lose very easily. So for me, when I look at that, I think part of what he, you know, it's not the, the one only thing Alan Hansen got wrong is the era. You can't do it today. You can't put four or five kids from the academy and expect no, no. to win. So, so that's really unfair for me to think that Solskjaer's expected to do that. Like, you know, he, he, and so, yeah, you need to have a history of this, you know, but I, of bringing through young players, but he shouldn't be criticized if he's not bringing them through because that's very rarely leveled at anyone else. You know, I, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. You know, you look at, at, at Klopp at Liverpool, it's, it's Trent Alexander-Arnold and it's Curtis Jones. Curtis there. Jones, yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, it's not easy to do that. You look at Manchester City, it's Phil Foden mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there are yeah. a couple of others um, bubbling under, but, 
you know, it, it's you you have to be incredibly good to get make it in those teams. I don't think you have to be incredibly good. You have to have been incredibly good to nail down a place at Manchester United over the last eight years, for example. Um, but I, you know, Scott McTominay is is one of my probably one of my favourite current Man United players. But he's mm-hmm. but he's not he's not top class, is he? So he's he's somebody who I think they look better with because because he's a, he's a hundred percent the whole time, and I think they lack that in the, in the in the team. And I think what I what I'm saying is. With Solskjaer, people, I think there are a number of things that people just sort of reel off, positive or negative about Solskjaer. If, if, if it's if it's negative, uh, oh, oh, he's too he's too nice. He's 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 not you know he's he's poor tactically. If it's positive, it's oh well he's he's, he's restored the culture. He's 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 changed the culture. He's he's, he's brought youth back. He's got us money playing the Man United way. I don't think. Any of that is true. I, I, I think he, you know, Mason Greenwood is is has has broken into the team and is and is really good. But I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's it's a, a club that seems to be sort of built around any particular philosophy or strategy or or identity at the moment. And I think that that's been the case since Ferguson retired. I, I think to say that. Solskjaer has has restored that is to me. I, I, I think that that is a myth. I, I I'd like it to be true because it would be it would be well, great. You know, it, it, it would be it would be great to see United playing the the Manchester United way and doing it with with you know he's he's tried he's tried to do it in terms of the players he signed. You know, he's brought solidity in in the defence. He's got um, you know he, he's. Finally, bought a um, what everyone, not least me, thinks is a very good winger. But you know, it's not in, in Sancho. But it, that's not happening yet. And I, I think it's ha- not happening because I don't think United. I don't think I don't think anybody at United knows how they're meant to be playing. Well, this I, is I don't, my I, issue. I don't. I don't get it at all. Well, um, it, it's you know, for, with Liverpool, the clock went in, and even that sort of difficult first year, it was clear the way they were trying to play. Guardiola, difficult first year, but it was clear how they were going to play um, and trying to play. And, and and they've still evolved within that. Whereas Solskjaer United, it's, it's yeah, I, I mean, he made noises about width and about um, counter-attacking and speed on the, the attack. And then for, until... Yeah, I mean, in in moments they're they're very quick on the counter attack, but it's it's not it's not a team with a clear identity in terms of the way they play in midfield or what they do without the ball or or any any of the things that we associate with with good teams these days. And he he came out with a line after the Villarreal game uh, the other week where he said, "Oh, Villarreal, very good team. They're very well coached." And I think, yeah. They, they they look really well coached. They 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 get the best out of their players. And I don't mm-hmm. think United look well coached. I don't think they looked well coached when Mourinho was there. And I don't think they looked well coached when when Harlem Moyes were there. And I think there's been a sort of sense of decay or a malaise behind the scenes for for a long time. Well, what I, I would say, Ollie, in his yeah. late defence, if he left today, he yep. would leave a much better club behind than the one he inherited. 
I totally so I agree. Think, I, totally I think agree. I think that if he does leave today, he's done an honourable job. He's a decent man. He loves the football club, and he would remain a legend to the fans. Um, but I do accept the point that what you see on the pitch on the Saturday is some parts, some of the parts of coaching management. When that's not right, you have to point the finger there, and it's never, it hasn't been close to being right this season. Um, and then there comes the who, last question here. I appreciate you doing this. Um, who do you replace him with? I, I mean, I, I've, I've just reeled off a load of negatives about the situation, just sort of saying it. What a sceptic I am and have been from the start, really. But it's, I also don't think I would rush to change it, manager mid season. I, I look, I think United's problem that they've had has been being convinced that everything's going fine with, with Moyes, with Van Gaal, with, with Mourinho until. You know, things things really, really had to get really bad for them to sack Mourinho. Yeah. You know, I think they were sixth in the table, but they were it was it was toxic. Results were pretty awful, performances were worse, it wasn't going to get better. Um and a few weeks before that, they were still saying, look, he, he he's safe. You know, there was no plan to get rid of him and 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 it was the right decision to get rid of him. It was the right decision in the short term to to bring Solskjaer in. But I think it's very difficult to do that kind of thing and, and get it right mid-season. I wouldn't sack Solskjaer in October, November, December, I, unless it was unless it was disastrous or toxic like it was with Mourinho in December 2018. I'd, I'd, or three years earlier at Chelsea. I wouldn't do that at all. I, I think I think it, it, you would probably have to work out who they who they would want. You know, would they want Antonio Conte? I don't think they would for, for reasons that you yeah. hinted at. You know, I, I think if you look at somebody like Nagelsmann, maybe they could have gone for Nagelsmann or competed with Bayern for Nagelsmann had they moved... You know, sort of at the turn of this year or or earlier this year to, to try and get him in the summer. Um, that wouldn't have been easy, but, um, you know, Marco Rosa, who's who's obviously at Dortmund, very good coach, you know, um, these, are, these are the kind of guys that I think United should be looking at. Um, but I, 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 it's, it's just difficult. I, I, I think it's, you know, I, I really like the idea of, Brendan Rodgers, I think I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's, he, um, I think he would connect with with the with the club with 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 all of the sort of United traditions. I think he, as a coach, I think he's far more suited to the DNA um, of Manchester United than than any of the coaches they've had over the last um, you know since Ferguson. But obviously. People will look at DNA and they'll think, no, you manage Liverpool. Right. Yeah, and, but, you know, Matt Bosby's played for Liverpool and City. Yeah, So, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, at some point, you have to overlook that. I think one thing that is slightly different with Mourinho, Van Gaal and Solskjaer is that Mourinho, I, I really felt that one of the reasons why Mourinho lasted so long is because of the reluctance of Woodward to admit he made a mistake given that contract um, yeah. right before 
And I, I, I think it was about him not wanting to admit and take the responsibility and take the blame and, and all that. With Solskjaer, with Ed Woodward leaving, Solskjaer would be most likely Richard Arnold taking over his appointment. Mm-hmm. And I think that puts him in a little bit of... Woodward got rid of David Moyes really quickly, and we all know that really wasn't his appointment. Um, so I think that puts him in a little bit of jeopardy where Richard Arnold may feel like, I want to bring my own guy. And, and yeah. you know, that's that I think that is and most likely, in my opinion, it would be a resignation, not a not I won't say, I think, because both parties would want to avoid that. But uh, we will see. Ollie, it has been an absolute pleasure. I, mean, I know it's late over where you are. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's been too long. Thank you so much for doing it. <laughs> and uh, take care, mate. Yeah, really nice to meet you. Legend, Ollie, cheers. Bye. Okay.